This morning, I finalized something that I've been working on for a few weeks, for a few months, actually. And I'm uh, excited to announce it to you. I, in, in a lot of ways, I'm, I'm betting on myself. And I believe in myself. I believe in you. I believe in those of you who've supported me over the years. And so I'm making a pretty big decision for for my future in a lot of ways. And I want to share it today. Sorry that I'm being... Uh, being coy, but I'll unpack and explain it all in today's episode. Love and appreciate all of you. This is Sean King, and you're listening to the the, the breakdown. The breakdown. The breakdown. Hey everybody, there's big news from my favorite home security company. Simply Safe just launched their new wireless outdoor security camera, and it's great. Simply Safe, the system that US News and World Report names best home security system of 2021, just got even better. This brand new outdoor security camera is engineered with all the advanced tech and security features that you want and need to help keep you and your family safe. This camera has it all. Together with a Simply Safe home security system, it means every door, every window, and every room is protected, and now your property will be too. To learn more about the exciting new Simply Safe wireless outdoor security camera, visit simplysafe.com/break. Simply Safe is celebrating this new camera by offering 20% off of your entire new system. That's a great deal. And your first month of monitoring service will be free. When you enroll in interactive monitoring, again, you need to go to simplysafe.com slash break. Let me spell that for you. S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot com slash break. Check it out. Let me know what you think. You can't get any better than this. If you don't already know it, and you might not, I I don't get a chance to talk about it on here as much. I wrote a book uh, called Make Change. It is my philosophy of change on how change works, how you make change. It's a book about how you can use your life to change the world around you. It's it's not an autobiography. It's not even um, it's it's not partisan. It's beyond that. It's it's about how change actually works. And my book came out at the height of the first year of the pandemic. And we actually delayed the release of the book several times because if you can remember this, there was a period of time where everything was shut down. Every mall, every bookstore, Everything except grocery stores and drug stores, everything was shut all the way down. And so when my book was supposed to come out, it got delayed and delayed and delayed. We had planned, I mean, we had spent months planning a a tour over 25 or 30 cities across the country. I mean, we had already booked venues and all of that. And we lost all of those things. And in spite of it, 
my book make change. It was still a bestseller. It was a New York Times bestseller, an Amazon bestseller. Uh, it sold at independent bookstores all over the country. But I learned a whole lot about the publishing industry, the publishing business. And I learned a lot about myself in the process. And after it was all said and done, I am nothing but proud of the book we published and how it did and how it sold and the final product. I'm grateful for uh, for Bernie Sanders, who uh, wrote the introduction to the book, the forward to the book. I'm grateful for all of the voices that worked with me on the audio book, which is amazing, has some of the best reviews on Audible of any book like it. But I'm going to break out on my own. And I've learned a lot about the publishing industry. I've learned three or four things. And I asked to be released from my contract with my publisher. And I asked to be released from my contract with my literary agent, my literary agent, excuse me. And I'm going to try this on my own. And I've got a lot of things that I'm working on behind the scenes for what that actually means. But I want to tell you why I'm going to break out on my own as a writer. There are probably four or five primary reasons. Let me just start from the top. First, I've learned that when you work with a publisher, there are certain things that you can say and certain things that you can't. And if you say certain things, it it will probably get filtered out in editing. If you say certain things, it might cause you or your book to be protested and removed uh, from the publisher. And I have a hundred different things I need to say that I can't afford to have edited out. I, and I can't afford for it to be protested and pulled from the market. Like, I can't deal with that. And, like, I, I, my editor was amazing. And uh, I'm grateful that I had an editor who shared most of my politics. But I understood, and even she understood, like, when you're working with a mainstream American corporation. There are lines you can't cross, things you can't say, places you can't go with your book. And that's not, that's not how I live my life. That's, and it gets to the root of something deeper. One of the reasons things never change with the issues that we care about so deeply is people keep saying the same stuff. And if I'm not going to be able to say the hard thing, the hard shit, <laughs> excuse me, parents and family, a lot of families listen to this podcast, so I try not to cuss, but if I can't say the hard shit about whatever issue it is I'm discussing and confronting and talking about, then whether I like it or not, I'm supporting the status quo more than I want to, and more than, more than I am willing to. And I have mapped out my next four or five book ideas and concepts 
and where I'm going with this, I can't have limits. And so I don't want to deal with being edited by someone who either doesn't believe in it or who knows the corporation is going to raise a red flag. So I'm breaking out on my own for that reason. But there's something else. And this is probably my second of several reasons. I don't know how many of you understand how this works, but when you have a book deal with a major publisher, and I've had two book deals with major publishers, they pay you in an advance and people celebrate the advance. That advance, that's just a loan. (laughs) That's all it is. That advance that you get is is a loan. They give you a loan. They normally split it into four or five payments, and you pay back that loan with your book sales. Now, if your book ends up selling more than the advance, and again, that advance is just a fancy word for a loan. If your book sells more than the loan, then you can begin to earn more back on your book, but barely. I mean, I'm talking about, uh, you know, if a book costs $25, you'd be lucky if you get a dollar <laughs> from, from that book sale. That thing is split up in so many different ways, and so many people have their hands in that. And I learned that with my last book. You know, I I was proud of the advance and I got a, a great advance on the book. I was proud of it because I thought I was supposed to be. But the deeper I got into it, I realized I was like, oh, this is just a loan. And y'all need me to pay this loan back by and, and if you don't make it back. You hurt your name in the industry. I've, I've seen it, (laughs) you know, like, you know, thankfully, you know, I pushed and pushed as hard as I could and we were able to get our book on the bestseller list and all of that. But that, that even takes me to my next point. I don't even care about these bestseller lists. Like I had to ask myself, you know, my book was a New York Times bestseller, Barnes & Noble bestseller, Amazon bestseller. What I really want to know is, are people reading it? Are they learning from it? I want to know who is reading it, who is learning from it. And the correlation is not always one for one. Like, if if your book makes the New York Times bestseller list, now, maybe you didn't know this, and I, I damn sure didn't until, until my publisher and, and all of us were fighting tooth and nail to get on the list. It, and you can Google this. I mean, there are juicy articles about it. The New York Times bestseller list, which is the premier list to be on, it's not even just about about sales. Like, the book that sold the most is not number one, and the second most is not number two, and the third most is not number two. It's just not how it goes, and they admit that. 
that they have a team that factors a dozen different things into the equation to determine who's number one, who's number two, who's number three, four, five, et cetera. And I don't even, I don't even like the New York Times. <laughs> like, they're not my friend. The New York Times has never been kind to me. They've never even been kind to my friends. They've never been good to Bernie. They've never been good to progressives. Like, why am I going to fight tooth and nail to be on their... I can't say what I want to say. You know, F their list. I don't care about their list. And I can't tell you the number of authors that I have worked with over the past few years and who came to me for advice because they saw that I made the list, who were then heartbroken when they didn't make the list because they had been told by their publisher, like I was told by my publisher, that making that list was everything. And I saw great authors with brilliant books who didn't make the list, who's, who were crushed that they didn't make it. And I'm not playing that game. Like, I, listen, opt me out of that. That's not a game. That's not a game I really care to be in. Like, I'm at a point in my life. Damn, I'm 42. I'm at a point in my life. I'm 42 years old. I'm eight years old, eight years away from being 50, <laughs> where I have time for a select number of things and fighting to be sorry if this offends you, like fighting to be on the white man's list is not one of the things I'm fighting for right now. <laughs> like kicking and clawing and scratching to be on the white man's list. I, I, I truly don't care anymore. Not about that. Now, what I do want to know is who's reading my book? What are they doing with the information? How is it impacting them? How is my book being leveraged for change? And if my book, if any future book I ever write gets on the list, so what? So be it. If it's number one or number one, I don't, I don't care. I no longer care about that. It means nothing to me. I, have, I am opting out of that game. Of, it's, um, it's about validation. It's about, and it's about who validates you. But the New York Times has never been kind to me or anybody that I know or love. They just haven't. And while it's kind of hailed as a kind of liberal newspaper, um, it's, and, and there are great journalists that write for it. Absolutely. And many other papers. I don't need to be on their list. Which, which gets me to my final point. And I'm going to talk about this more in the days and weeks ahead. And, and I'll also talk more about how I'm going to break out on my own in the days and weeks ahead. I learned when, when I wrote Make Change. I, I worked, I might have worked harder on that book than anything I've ever than I've ever written. I definitely worked harder on it than anything I ever wrote. No, no doubt. It, it took so much energy and effort and heart and soul and research to write it. But 
even deeper than that, I was so, and, and still am, so proud of the final product. Not a single place would interview me. Nobody. Nowhere. Not a single television station, not a single radio show. Nothing mainstream, I mean. Not a single mainstream outlet. Not a, even though we made the New York Times bestseller list, and they were books that sold way less than mine. They wouldn't mention my book, in a, they wouldn't do an article on the book, an article on me. An ar- even though Bernie Sanders wrote the foreword, <laughs> it was as if, had I not forced myself onto that list, they wouldn't, I mean, which they would have been glad to leave me off of it. Had I not forced myself onto that list, it would be, it would be as if my book didn't exist. And every mainstream place that covers books and writes about books, I mean, they, I mean, it was as if I was on a blacklist somewhere. Here's what's, it took me a while. I mean, as I record this, it's October 28th of 2021. When you feel abandoned by the mainstream, at first it stings. Then when the sting wears off, it hurts, son. After you get over yourself and get over the sting and whatever hurt you had, whatever expectation you had from thinking you might get some mainstream play, after you get over that, it's liberating. And now that I know what I know what I know, that I'm not going to get any mainstream love, now I'm not even going to strive for it. Like, I'm, I'm free of that. Now that I know that the New York Times and the Washington Post and the L.A. Times and NPR and every other place and magazine and publication and television show you can name, Oprah and everybody, now that I know that everything I do will be ignored by every mainstream outlet, now that I know that, I can go in my own direction. I can say what I want to say, say what I have to say, and not worry, but will the mainstream accept this? Not even worried about it anymore. Like, I have, I have come to accept, like, I am, I'm an acquired taste. Either you like me and respect me and dig what I do and what I say, or you don't, but that's just going to have to be okay with me. And I'm not going to bend over backwards to write something with the hope that it gets an award from, let me just say, let me say how I want to say it. Shit. I'm not going to bend over backwards to get an award from white folk, to get some recognition from white folk, to be on the white folks list. I don't care about that anymore. And being free and liberated of that, of no longer needing mainstream white approval, which is what we're talking about here, just or mainstream approval in general, no longer needing it, frees me up to go in a different direction. Hope you understand what I'm talking about. I'm going to break out on my own. I'm going to write what I want to write, say what I want to say, dig into some hard things the way I think it has to happen. And I hope you'll go with me. 
Gotta run. Love and appreciate you all. Thank you for your support always. And if you're not already a member at thenorthstar.com, please, please, please join today. Take care, everybody. Break it down. I'm Tiffany Hawkins. I'm Alan Boomer. And we are the Momentum Advisors. Every single week, we talk about wealth management, personal finance, and entrepreneurship. We are financial advisors by day. We're entrepreneurs by night. We're building wealth for ourselves, and we want to make sure that you understand how to build wealth in your own family. Tune in for shows like Is Your Money Racist, Retirement Savings, Investment 101. We literally run the gamut on all the things that you need to know about financial wealth, creating a legacy for your family, and really just wealth creation as a whole. What we find is that these conversations are happening, but they're not happening as much as they need to in diverse communities. And so we're bringing a new voice, a new amount of energy, and we want you to tune in. So we bring the tips, we bring the strategy, and we always bring the good news. So make sure you tune in every week to the Momentum Advisors. There's something for everyone. Momentum.